0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro recharge kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
1: You're listening to the MLB Pipeline Podcast with your host, Ed Randall. Hi everybody, I'm Ed Randall and welcome to the MLB.com Pipeline Podcast. I'm joined by our draft minor league experts, Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. The Arizona Fall League has begun play, featuring many of the best prospects in baseball. Time now for our experts to name their early all-prospect teams, players that intrigue them the most. Jim, we'll start with you, and we'll start behind the plate, a catcher.
2: Yeah, you know, the, the catcher who, who jumps out the most to me in the Fall League is Wilson Contreras to the Cubs, who has really done about as much to boost his prospect stock as I would say just about any catcher in the minor leagues this season. Uh, You know, we we all knew the Cubs had a deep system. When I was kind of in charge of our Cubs top 30 prospect list coming into the year, he didn't even make the top 30. Um, Wound up at midseason when we updated it, put him at number 10, and I think when we update it again in January, he might even sneak into the top five. Uh, You know, really interesting kid. He signed as a third baseman out of Venezuela uh, in 2009, began converting to catcher three years ago. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about Kyle Schwarber and can he stick at catcher, and I think Wilson Contreras is going to run into that moot because I think Wilson Contreras is definitely going to stick at catcher and, and Schwarber's going to wind up playing every day in an outfield corner. But he has a chance to be an all-around guy. He can hit for average, hit three thirty three this year in Double AA. He, he's got at least gap power. I think it could be average uh, home run power. And he's got a strong arm, and he's made himself into a pretty solid receiver. So one of the more interesting catching prospects in the entire minors, and definitely in the AFL.
0: Yeah, and he and he loves to catch. Uh, there, this isn't one of these. Well, we'll see how it works, and and you know maybe I can always move back to third. He really likes it back there. It's the Cubs minor league player of the year, you know, named uh, so by by their organization, uh, and, and understandably so. Of, you know, especially if you're just looking at guys who spent the whole year in the minors and just really. Uh, Took off, Uh, had a breakout this past year a lot because he played uh, winter ball in Venezuela a year ago, and uh, got to sort of pick the brains of a lot of more veteran guys, uh, both uh, on on both sides of the ball, and it really helped his confidence uh, and helped him realize what he needed to do to, to improve and and succeed at, at a higher level, and, and he was able to do that. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think Kyle Schwarber is probably going to be an outfielder uh, from here on out, uh, or at least uh, you know, to, up until the point when Contreras uh, maybe catches a little until Contreras gets there to, to become a, a full-time backstop at the big league level, probably in the not-too-distant future.
1: Jim, uh, first base uh
2: first base I like uh AJ Reed you know, it's interesting it's not a great position prospect wise I don't think in the minors right now but it is pretty strong out there in the uh Arizona fall league you know Reed had the best season best statistical season of, of anybody in the minors this year he led the minors in homers RBIs on base slugging Obviously, ops if you're leading on base and slugging. Uh, this is on the heels of, of basically being the best college player in the country the, the year before. He, he won every major college player of the year award in 2014 at Kentucky, uh, where he led the nation in homers and also won 12 games with an ERA of about two on the mound. Um, you know, big left-handed power. Uh, you know, Astro. you know, the interesting thing with him is the Astros were a little disappointed. He showed up. He, he's a big, burly guy. He showed up spring training weighing about 280 pounds, which is not the way to endear yourself to your organization uh, before your first full season of pro ball. But he, he lost the weight and really took off, hit as well in double A's. He did at Lancaster, which is a launching pad. You know, this is a guy, if, if you look at the Astros, Chris Carter's hot postseason aside, first base was not a a position where the Astros got a lot of production. And if Reed continues to hit like this, I I think he could push his way into their lineup maybe in the second half of last year. I mean, he he was a two-way guy, Kentucky, like I mentioned. Actually drafted as a pitcher by the Mets out of high school. But but he's a power hitter all the way. It's big-time power. He does not strike out excessively. He, He draws a lot of walks. You know, he, he's an okay defender. Um, you know, he, he's not much of a runner, but he fits that first-base profile. This is a guy who could hit for a lot of power and hit for a solid average and a good good on-base percentage. And, and he's the first baseman I like the most in the AFL.
0: Uh, I, really good choice, and, and uh, I think uh, I could have easily gone with him. Uh, but I decided that I'm going to go with Dominic Smith of the Mets, uh, mostly uh, – because he had two doubles in his first game here. No, uh, he did have two doubles, and it was a uh, it kind of it was a microcosm of who he is as a hitter right now. One was down the left field line; one was down the right field line. Uh, he made several very good plays defensively at first. Uh, you know, which is part of the game that people don't necessarily notice. He's a, a very good defender. He just has a really, really good approach at the plate, uh, and this year he kind of had. Uh, a bit of a breakout um, 139 hits on your hit over 300 uh, the one thing that people uh, you know don't you know don't know about is what, you know how the power is going to come and he hasn't hit for a ton of power but uh, he's not really overly concerned with that uh you know the Mets have preached to him uh learn how to hit uh, and the power will come. You know, the doubles will will turn into homers, and he definitely has extra base uh, ability uh, and uh, a really really good approach to the plate. But you know, because he is a first base only guy, uh, the power is going to have to come for him to to be good. And I think the folly could be a, a really good springboard for him to the upper levels of the Mets system next year. Jim,
1: what about second base?
2: Yeah, second base. I think the the, the best guys who are going to wind up being big league second basemen in the AFL are, are probably guys who, who play other positions now. I mean, a lot of your better big league second baseman moves. So I'm going to cheat a little bit here and go with Daniel Robertson, who was one of the better hitters in the fall league last year as a shortstop with Mesa when he played for the A's. Uh, then he got traded in the offseason uh, in the Ben Zobris trade, and now he's with the Rays. He's back with Mesa. Has played, you know, mostly shortstop in the minors. He does. He gets the job done there, but he's not the quickest guy in the world. I think he winds up at second base. He's making up for some lost time. He missed about half the year this year with a hammock bone injury in, in his left hand. That cost him a couple months, but was really impressed when I saw him out there uh, last fall. Uh, he, he, I mean, he does everything you want to see at the plate. Uh, he, he uses the whole field. It's a short stroke. He, he you know, works counts. He, he doesn't chase pitches very polished hitter. He was very polished hitter last year when he was 20. He, obviously a year later, he's only 21. I think there's going to be more power in there. He, he's 6'1", 205. It's a sturdy build. I think we're looking at a potential you know, 270 hitter or so, 270, 280 with maybe 15 or 20 homers a year. And I think while he's continued to develop at shortstop, I think he, think he winds up being a second baseman in the long run.
0: And he is going to see some time at second uh, in Arizona, so that certainly makes sense. I'm going with a, another guy who's sort of a shortstop-turned-second baseman. It's Alex Blandino. He was a kid out of Stanford that the Reds took uh, 29th overall in 2014. Had a had a really, really good first uh, full season uh, in the Florida State League. He got bumped up to double-A and and struggled a little bit, but uh, not necessarily with his approach. You know, the walks were still up. Um, I think there is some power there as well, uh, but probably not the kind of power you want to see at third. So second base is a better uh, spot for him if he's not going to play shortstop. and uh, He's going to be playing second base regularly uh, in the fall league. It's not just, uh, oh, he'll get some time at, numerous positions. He's a second baseman during during the AFL, and I don't know if the Reds just want to you know, get a really long look to see what that looks like. A lot of people think that that's where he should end up. Uh, you know, They were pleased with how he played shortstop during a summer debut and, and even his first full season, but as the game speeds up, I think second base is probably a better better spot for him, but he's got a very good approach and a good feel for hitting, and he should hit for average, and he'll probably give you double-digit homers, uh, you know, good offensive production from that position in particular.
1: Uh, over to the hot corner, Jim, third base.
2: I'm going to go with uh, the guy who probably has the toughest name to pronounce in the Arizona Fall League, and I think I have this correct, Trey Mitchell Shevsky, uh, I don't know how great I did that. Maybe I think it's Mitchell Shevsky of the White Sox. Uh, probably has the longest name there's on a fall league too. Um, yeah, you know, he's a guy who's always intrigued me since he was a, a high school kid coming out of uh, Jenks High in Oklahoma, overslot signing for $500,000 in the seventh round in 2013 for the White Sox. And yeah, you know, it just intrigues me. I, I think he's a pretty good athlete for third baseman. He's a switch hitter. He's only 20 this year. Uh, hit 259 with 46 extra base hits and high Class A. You know, you know, pretty good swing from both sides of the plate. You know, decent approach, moves pretty well at the hot corner. Uh, you know, I think he's a chance to to be a you know an average to solid contributor kind of across the board. At the hot corner, and that's why I like him the most. And I know uh, Jonathan needs to, I think, curry some favor with Astros fans after spurning AJ Reed. So I, I think he may go Astro here.
0: <laughs> at third base. I am, I am and I'm, mostly because I didn't want to try to pronounce uh, Trey's last name, um, and I'm not, you know, I I didn't want to go taxi squad player. Uh, so there you go, because he's only going to play twice a week. But that said, yes, I am going to go with JD Davis uh, to to curry favor, as you suggest, with Astros fans. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned talking about A.J. Reed, you talked about uh, the production in Lancaster in the California League, and then obviously A.J. Reed went on and uh, put up silly numbers in AA. Uh, J.D. Davis did not leave Lancaster, uh, so there is still that question mark of, well, can he do it uh, away from that launching pad? Uh, you know, he had a, a really good year uh, from a power standpoint. Uh, 26 homers, 100 over 100 runs batted in, a uh, lot of swing and miss, 157 strikeouts, but he did draw some walks, uh, and it's something that he continued to work on. And you know, August was probably his best month. He hit 382, and the strikeouts were down, um, so uh, a bit. So obviously, it's something he's trying to find that that balance between being really aggressive, uh, which helps him drive the ball and having a better overall approach, and that's what he's working on in Arizona. He, he did go deep uh, in his first game in the Fall League. Uh, this is a guy who did move around a little bit as a defender uh, and actually was a relief pitcher as well in college, uh, but he settled into third base uh, and, and looks pretty good over there. Obviously, has arm strength, but uh, I think he's going to be fine over there, as do the Astros, and I think It'll be interesting to see. He's the kind of guy who you know, could go through the fall league and struggle uh, you know, with the higher level of competition and, and swing and miss a lot, or he could really use it as a springboard up to double-A next year, and I think we're going to see the latter.
1: Over to uh, shortstop, Jim.
2: Yeah, I think this is a pretty easy choice here because J.P. Crawford, for the Phillies is, is the best overall prospect in the fall league. Uh, I'm sure Jonathan will agree with that. I'm sure if we survey ten scouts, we'd probably get ten guys telling us the same thing too. You know, first-round pick in 2013 by the Phillies. Yeah, it was interesting. He wound up going 16th. Um, I was not at MLB.com at the time. I was still at Baseball American. I bet Jonathan remembers this the same way, though, that, uh, you know, there was a lot of rumbling. He could go kind of that 11, 12, 13 range, and I think now there are a bunch of teams wondering why they passed on J.P. Crawford. Right. I mean, he's, in the draft, you don't often see guys who, who are definitely going to stay at shortstop And JP Crawford's definitely going to stay at shortstop, and on top of that, you don't often see guys who are definitely going to stay at shortstop who could hit. And JP Crawford is going to be a a star, I think, in both 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 aspects of the game. I mean, he he's got a potential to. You know, I don't know if he's super flashy as as say, uh, you know, looking at rookies coming up this year, as say maybe a Francisco Lindor, but he's definitely a plus defender at shortstop and. I mean, he can hit, you know, left-handed bat, you know, only 20, got the AA this year, more than held his own, walked more than he struck out. Um, I think he's going to have, yeah, I I think he could be a 15-home run hitter as well as hitting for for a very high average. Uh, You know, Philly, obviously going through some rough times right now at the Major League level, but they do have some prospects in their system, and I think J.P. Crawford's a guy who, depending on what they want to do with service time issues, could be up at some point next year if the Phillies wanted him to be.
0: Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add. Obviously, he's one of the best shortstop prospects in the in all of baseball at this point. Corey Seager's the only one who's ahead of him, and obviously, Seager's doing what he's doing at the big league level and in the playoffs. And I think Crawford, you're right, not quite as flashy as Lindor, but I think there there are some good comps just in terms of the all around game. Um, you know, so we'll see, you know, what he uses the fall league for. He's way ahead of the curve. You know, I guess you will have to hope that the Phillies don't rush him, uh, given that they're kind of in rebuilding mode. But I have a feeling that he's probably going to sort of push the envelope and knock on the door sooner than, you know, maybe a lot of people think, even though you know, he doesn't turn 21 uh, until January. Uh, so some more development time may not be a bad thing. Uh, maybe the fall league uh, – allows him to put on some finishing touches and lets them see what he needs to work on so he can uh, contribute in Philadelphia at some point next season.
1: Rather than uh, get specific in the outfield, let's do three outfielders, Jim.
2: Okay, I'll go uh, three, although I'd love to go four. If we were doing softball, i know who my short fielder would be. But uh, <laughs> the, I think outfield's one of the strongest positions in the fall league and in terms of just guys with, with, with pretty strong tools across the board. You've got Austin Meadows of the Pirates, who who some guys thought had the, the best high school tools in 2013 draft when the Pirates took him ninth overall. You've got Brett Phillips. With the Brewers now, after the Astros included him, the Carlos Gomez, Mike Fiers trade, and he was kind of a key prospect in that deal. He was part of that that great Houston 2012 draft that, that started off with, with Carlos Correa and Lance McCullers, and you know he needed a little bit more development time, but, but scouts have always been high on him. He he was a late bloomer in 2012, as one of the better high school athletes available. Really nice year this year, 309 with 16 homers and 17 steals, and got to Double A. And then I, I was tempted to go with, with another product of the 2013 draft and Clint Frazier, who, you know, I, I will say this. I don't know. He, he probably gets cheated less than anybody at the plate uh, in the fall league. I mean, he has an electric swing, and he is not shy about uh, unleashing it. But I I actually like Lewis Brinson with the Rangers. I did, that guy fascinates me. He might be the best high school athlete or definitely one of the best in the 2012 draft. Uh, you know, He's been a pretty consistent 20-homer, 20 20-steel 20 guy in the minors. The only thing that's really held him back are, are some minor injuries. He's developing some discipline at the plate. Uh, but there, there's – I would call three of those guys five-tool players, although in Austin Meadows' case, the arm's probably below average. So it, it, you probably have 14 of the 15 tools you want to see with, with those three outfielders right there. And Clint Frazier is a very close fourth for me.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think I would have no problem uh, with with Frazier as my as my short fielder, or you know, maybe right center and left center. Uh, and you know, it, it's interesting because I think both he and Brinson are guys who needed to work on their overall approach and plate discipline, you know, uh, and have done so. Uh, you know, uh, Brinson really all season, uh, uh, you know, injuries aside. Frazier has been interesting because everyone knew coming out that he was, just, you know, a really free swinger. He's very aggressive. You don't want to take that away from him because it is—it is kind of what makes him good and exciting. But you look at uh, what he did in the second half this year because the first half he he struggled a little bit, uh, and then he really. Put it together uh, in the second half. The walks went way up. The strikeouts went down, and as a result, he hit 3.25, 4.22 on base, and 5.39 slugging in the second half. So, starting to starting to put it together. You know, he and Austin Meadows from the same town in Georgia. I think they're going to be kind of not compared because they're, you know, they have two very different styles. But people will be checking in to see how both of them are doing. Uh, Meadows made it up to Double A, hit well, hit well in the playoffs. Fraser spent the year in the Carolina League and didn't didn't get the bump up to Double A, uh, but can use the fall league uh, to to get them ready for that move.
1: All right, guys, let's go to the mound, starting with the uh, left-handed pitcher, Jim.
2: I like Sean Manea of the uh, of the Athletics now. Another one of these guys who, who's been traded. He, he, you know, I guess like Daniel Robertson. He was also in a, in a Ben Zobrist trade. Uh, he went, uh, you know, Robertson went to Oakland. Went from Oakland to Tampa Bay in the Zobrist trade. and Then when Oakland traded Zobrist to Kansas City, Sean Manea was the, the best guy they got. You know, I think the reports on Shaman are still the same ones that they were coming out of the draft when he signed for $3.55 million as a supplemental first-round pick in 2013 had a, a chance to go number one, but he had a, a hip injury that kind of held him back, and, and then the ability factored in there as well. But, I mean, he, he can pitch off his fastball about as well as anybody in the Arizona Fall League. He, he it has good velocity. it has good life. He gets a good extension and plane on it. Um, I, you know, I don't think the slider or changeup, either one of those is a plus pitch yet. Um, you know, I think I'm sure those are going to be the, the, the focal points of his development in the Fall League, but he has so much success pitching off that fastball that, you know, he's been able to breeze through double A at this
0: point. I think Manet is kind of the obvious choice uh, for left-handed pitchers, you know, and, and totally totally good one, too. Uh, I think he might be ready to, to contribute in Oakland at some point next year, so it should be fun to see what he does. Uh, in Arizona, I'm kind of going with a little bit of a wild card here with, with Ian Clarkin, uh, who uh, honestly is – a little bit of a surprise to me that he's in in the fall league. Uh, for for people who remember him, uh, he was you know, taken at the very end of the first round uh, of the 2013 draft uh, by the Yankees. Uh, sort of bad timing-wise. Uh, the little pre-produced video talked about how. Uh, He hated the Yankees, and then he got drafted by them, so he had to apologize over and over again for that, uh, which is kind of silly. He was okay his first full season. Uh, They were very careful with him. He pitched, but he pitched okay in the South Atlantic League. And and then he didn't pitch at all this regular season. Should have been in the the Florida State League. Uh, Had some elbow troubles. Uh, Did not have surgery, uh, but, uh, you know, did not have Tommy John surgery, but uh, hasn't pitched. So we're talking about a guy who last pitched in the South Atlantic League, coming to the Arizona Fall League to to kind of restart. Um, you know, so that surprised me a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that you know maybe he, he was throwing, uh, you know, in their extended spring training and uh, maybe at instructs, and uh, they liked what they saw, so they thought he was ready for for this. And if he throws well here, it obviously is not going to make up for a whole lo- entire lost season. But it could help him kind of get back on on the path that he was on as a you know fairly advanced lefty for a high schooler, uh, one with three at least major league average pitches with with very good command to to boot. With its own, I'm excited to see what uh, he brings to the table in Arizona.
1: And finally, guys, right-handed pitchers, Jim.
0: Yeah, and I think this is one I'm
2: sure we'll probably agree on. Also. Uh, Alex Reyes, to me, kind of like Crawford, you know, clearly, and maybe even more so, stands out as the best pitching prospect in the league. You know, we don't have to go into his whole backstory here, but he was a, in New Jersey. He's a high schooler, went back to his roots in the Dominican, and wound up signing for $950,000 as an international free agent. He can reach 100 miles an hour with his fastball. He's got a power curveball. He had crazy numbers in the minors this year, struck out 151 batters in 101 third innings, 249 ERA, 197 opponent average, uh, you know, got to double A, all that despite having uh, some you know, mild shoulder soreness that cost him about a month. So they're, they're just making up for some lost time, getting him some more innings. Hey, he's one of these guys with a special arm, and even though he's only pitched about 35 innings above A-ball at this point, I, I think with a strong fall league, uh, it wouldn't shock me at all if the Cardinals needed him, if he was on the Cardinals' big league roster at some point next year because you just don't see arms like this come along too often.
0: Yeah, and you don't see arms like that in the fall league too often. You know, It tends to be hitter-friendly. uh Pitchers, if they've had full seasons, they don't necessarily come here. Uh, used to maybe get some more top-end pitchers when uh, the draft signing deadline was later, so you'd get a, uh, like a Steven Strasburg who would come straight from the draft and hadn't hadn't pitched over the summer at all. And that that doesn't happen as much now. So uh, he's as exciting an arm as has uh, been in the fall league in quite some time, uh, and I think you know, he could definitely use that as a as a springboard to help out uh, in in St. Louis and give them yet another homegrown product on that big league roster.
1: Now we bring for you live and direct from the Arizona Fall League, the Philadelphia Phillies' second-round draft choice in 2013 (laughs) after a stellar career at the University of California. We welcome to the podcast from your Glendale Desert Dogs catcher, Andrew Knapp. Andrew, great to have you with us on the show. You started the season in the Florida State League in Clearwater and batted uh, 262. Uh, the Phillies promote you to Reading, and you go nuts. Uh, 360, 419 on base percentage, 56 RBIs and 55 games, 11 homers, had a uh, individual hitting streaks of 16 and 17 games. You're named the Eastern League Player of the Month for August, uh, recently named the recipient of the 2015 Paul Owens Award that goes to Philadelphia's top minor league player of the year. Andrew, tell us, what happened to you in AA?
3: (laughs) Well, uh, honestly, I think I just got a little bit more selective. Um, You know, earlier in my career, I'd be swinging at a 1-1 changeup that probably wasn't a good pitch to swing at. And then once I once I got moved up to double-A, I just kind of started laying off those pitches and started flipping some counts to 2-1, 3-1, one, one, and, and started getting some fastballs. So I think that was a, the biggest adjustment I made.
0: A- Andrew, I mean,
3: were you at all surprised
0: when you got that bump up? I mean, you you were doing okay in Clearwater, but you certainly weren't setting the world on fire like you did once once you moved up, as as Ed laid out with those numbers. Uh, what what was it that the the Phillies saw? I mean, how, were you making those sort of adjustments in your approach that made everyone comfortable that you could handle the the jump up a level?
3: <clears throat> yeah, I think the last last month there in in Clearwater, I started making those adjustments. Um, I think part of it, too, was um, the advancement behind the plate, you know, being able to kind of handle the game, handle the pitching staff more and and work with those guys. So I think that's what they saw. Um, You know, sometimes a change of scenery is is all you need kind of to get a little boost and a little confidence. So I think that helped, too.
2: What are you working on? A, looking to work on specifically, Andrew, in the Arizona Fall League, is it, is it mainly focused on the defense? I mean, it seems like that—that's usually the on the to-do list for catchers. Or are there some some further offensive adjustments you're looking to make as well?
3: Well, yeah, I think uh, offensively, it's just it's just continuing to do what I'm doing, uh, just get more consistent with it. Um, I think defensively is is kind of one of those things I just want to tighten up. Um, Tighten up the receiving. Tighten up the throwing. You know, we worked a lot behind the plate this year. Um, off, the, off the field, you know, kind of working about the, the mind game a little bit. Um, so that's kind of one of those things is, is trying to be able to manage a pitching staff and, and work from behind the plate. So that's kind of what I'm focused on. You're, you're still sort of, I don't
0: want to say behind, but you know, developmentally, just because of the you know the the Tommy John surgery that you had, I would imagine you just, reps wise, uh, I would imagine in Arizona, being able to catch bullpens and working with some of the the, the higher-level pitchers here uh, will help you feel more and more comfortable with just the, you know, all the nuances that, that you're still sort of getting a handle on?
3: Yeah, definitely. You know, these are these are guys who know what they're doing on the mound, so, you know, you can get, get a ton of work in in the bullpen and, and yeah. I'm working with pass here um, with the Dodgers, you know, and the facilities in the cages and on the field, you know. The side field, throwing and and so that's going to be good. You know, I kind of get a little, you get a little bit more downtime here, um, less playing, but you know you get to work on the side, so that's good.
2: Hey, I think you just alluded to your, your manager there, Glendale, uh, Billy Hasselman. How much does it help you think having a, a manager? How much are you going to be able to, to pick his brain of a guy who caught in the big leagues as as long as he did? And then kind of along those lines too, Andrew. Uh, you weren't the first member of your family to uh, to catch at Cal. Your father, Mike, did. He went on to A. How much uh, help has your father been throughout the career? Because I guess that's going have to have been a tremendous resource, a guy who caught as long as he did, to pick his brain about various aspects of the position.
3: Yeah, you know, it's, uh, throughout my career, I've pretty much been surrounded by uh, a ton of catchers. You know, this year we had Dusty Watson in, in Reading and Evan Hass here and, and my dad um, you know, it's huge. You get to pick those guys' brain, and, and they've been there before. You know, they've done it. They've caught over 100 games in the year, and they know how the body feels and, and kind of how it's mentally draining too. You know, you, you catch every day and you just kind of get worn out. But um, it's been awesome to be able to pick their brain and, and kind of see how they do it and just gain that a little bit of experience from them as I'm going through it.
1: Andrew, we're so happy to have you on the show, and uh, we wish you the best of success. Uh, What you did in Reading, we hope, continues for years to come. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Guys, thanks so much. On behalf of Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, I'm Ed Randall. Thanks for listening, everybody, to the MLB.com Pipeline Podcast.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or...